We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast, part of Ramstock Radio, proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and sponsored by TickPick, the best place to get tickets for the Rams or any team. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it seems like it was not that long ago where the Rams were going through no win November. Uh, the sky was falling. The season was over. Lo and behold, we're the hottest team in the NFC now, tied with a couple others. But technically, we are tied for the long- hottest win streak in the NFC. How you feeling after that big win for the Rams at home against Seattle 20-10? to you know, I didn't really know what to expect coming into this game. There was just <laughs> there was so many questions coming in, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But you know, I I'm as happy as I could be just because it would not have surprised me if the Rams didn't come out of this game with a win, just based on everything that happened. Yeah, it was uh, an insane week. Uh, apologies to the listeners for not getting any pods up. Uh, I had a nightmare week with work, and, and Derek is uh, taking a personal leave to deal with some stuff. Send our thoughts at the at the D. But uh, we're back today. Yeah, man, it seems like it was such a roller coaster week. It, it, it felt like immediately after the Rams game when the positive tests rolled in that that game last week probably should have been canceled. I mean, we won, so I'm glad it wasn't. And all these guys, as far as we know, are recovering from COVID. So we got the win, but a really crazy week. A lot of players went on the COVID list. The game obviously got pushed. We're doing a post-game pod on a Tuesday night, which is new. But luckily, the game was at 7 my time, 4 for the Pacific people. We're doing the podcast pretty much when we would normally do it. So no worries for me there. But yeah, it's a division rival you're not practicing all week. It feels like the seeds would have been planted for a, you know, a trap game where the Rams would lose a tough divisional matchup. 
But what we got was really just, you know, it's kind of fitting that this is probably the last game we play against both Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I would imagine one, if not both, they're gone next year. And it was such a Ram Seahawks game. Maybe the most Ram Seahawks game we've played in a long time. I just sloppy, gross defense defenses carrying the way inconsistent play on offense on both teams just kind of boring like if you weren't a fan of either of these teams this would have been a terrible game to watch it was just a true nfc west shit show and i'm glad especially considering all the adversity the rams had to deal with leading up to this game glad we walked away with a win man it was a hard-fought victory on both sides of the ball oh without a doubt without a doubt it 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 had to be like this close because it wouldn't be an NFC West matchup if it wasn't this close, you know, especially with the Seahawks, no matter how bad the Seahawks are going to be, this is a team that will fight any NFC West uh, foe, you know, tooth and nail. And they didn't disappoint. I mean, they, they really, they really, uh, kept the Ram in this uh the Rams in the game from the really the final minute. So um you know I, I'm like I said, I, I'm not joking when I said that I was nervous about this game and uh you know even even during the game I was a little bit nervous. Um but luckily the Rams came away with the win. Yeah, I mean as long as number three is on the opposite side of the field, even in a down year for him, you're not gonna feel great playing Seattle. Uh, it's just it's always a tough divisional game, man. There's there's really no way around it. But we came out with a win. It was twenty to ten, a very unattractive victory, but a victory nonetheless. It it was an interesting game, you know. I think considering the Rams were down three big starters and you know Higby, ha- Havenstein and Fuller all had to miss this game. In the case of Havenstein and Higby, their backups weren't out there either. Joe Nopum was out on the COVID list and obviously uh, Johnny Munn's been out for a while. So there were, there were some holes in this team. Luckily with the game getting moved to Tuesday as it should have been. I know a lot of people didn't like that, but it was the right call. We got a lot of guys back. We got a lot of guys back in the building and ultimately that helped us navigate to a victory here, but it was certainly not their prettiest victory, but we've also seen some pretty unattractive losses too. So I'll take an ugly victory over a pretty loss any day of the week. Without a doubt. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we've seen plenty of ugly losses this season. It was nice to see an ugly win for a change. Yeah, man, it uh, really felt good. It it really felt good. And (laughs) maybe we'll save this for – let's save the – the standings and where this game leads the Rams to for the end of the pod. But let's get in the box score of this game. The Rams dominated the time of possession battle. 35 had 35 minutes. Uh, Cardinals at 24 that shored up a lot in the second half. Uh, it, it was, it was a f- like, you know, we in, in past podcasts, we've maybe me, I, I think we both have, have kind of talked about how like, it's not sustainable for the Rams offense to just either be going three and out or hitting on a 50 yard touchdown. 
And this was a funny game because they absolutely dominated the time of possession battle in the first half. I mean, I think it was something like 20, 24 to 6 uh, in the 30 minutes played in that half. And they had three points to show for it. <laughs> and the game was tied at halftime, 3 to 3. They They had... A, a nine-play drive that went 56 yards and ended with a bad Stafford interception. They had an 11-play drive that went 27 yards, uh, chewed up seven minutes of the clock, went nowhere, and we ended up punting. Uh, we were in field goal range. Stafford took a sack. That's a bad decision. We can get to that when we talk about Stafford. But it was just it, it was just funny to me how like they actually really controlled the ball well in the first half, came away with three points. Uh, second half, they moved quickly on their touchdown drives, uh, and they also had a lot of drives where they went three and out in in an ugly fashion. But it was an interesting game. You know, it wasn't their their best offensive performance, but obviously they they did enough to get this get a win here. You know, you score twenty points against a bad Seattle team, you should win the game. They turned the ball over, they made some mistakes, but overall, I mean, it was it was interesting. I the the recipe they used offensively in this game, you know, I hope that's not how they plan to beat better teams, but it worked here, I guess. Yeah, uh, I I think a lot of what we saw, especially on the offensive side of the football, is just the matter a matter of circumstance because, you know, this this is clearly not the same. Rams team and this is clearly not the same offensive line the Rams have seen Um, Matthew Stafford was a bit shell-shocked you could tell because while he had taken hits um, you know here and there from the season really there was only one game that comes to mind where he was completely like you know obliterated because of you know the lack of protection from the offensive line and that was the Tennessee Titans but really every other game he seemed to have pretty good protection for the most part this game it, it just i mean the the seattle seahawks look like the legion of boom again with the way uh they were hitting uh the way they were hitting uh matthew stafford uh, of course i'm talking about the defensive front and not necessarily their secondary but um but yeah <laughs> it it, it was becoming blatantly obvious that Rob Havenstein was missed. Even Joe Noteboom was bit missed because while he wasn't perfect against Arizona, he certainly did a hell of a lot better than Bobby Evans. You know, Bobby Evans looked like hell out there. Yeah. Was, and, was the Chicago game uh, from a couple years ago where Bobby Evans got the spot start and shut down Khalil Mack, was that the biggest fluke that we've seen the Rams have in, like, the last, at least in the McVay era? Because, I mean, he has not looked good since that game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, have, I, have to, I have to think so because I, I wanted to give Bobby Evans the benefit of the doubt because in certain, in certain games where the Rams kind of plugged him in, they put him in as guard. And I just I know that the philosophy is to kind of get him uh, to get all offensive linemen to, you know, be more versatile. So I get it. Playing out of position might, you know, warrant 
you know, not, uh, you know, not being so comfortable. And I was hoping this was going to be the game that Bobby Evans, you know, shows that, you know, I was playing out of position. This is where I'm meant to be. And we didn't see that at all. Uh, Bobby Evans, I mean, I, I can't sit here and say he was the only reason why the Rams offense struggled because there's plenty of other reasons, but he was a big part of it, I will say. Yeah, and, and this is the most they've been sacked uh, this season besides the Titans game. Four times they were sacked today, five in the Titans game. Uh, a little concerning stack here is that if I'm doing the math right here, Stafford's been sacked 24 times this season, and 17 of those have come in their last six games, which is not, you know, not ideal. Uh, but also nine of them came in two games. So, I mean, it's also not the end of the world. But, yeah, Evans wasn't the whole problem with the offensive line. Uh, other people missed blocks. Other people allowed sacks. But he was certainly the worst of them. Uh, it was a really glaringly bad game from him. We will get Havenstein back, you know, probably next week, if not certainly before the playoffs. So, it's not the end of the world. But, uh, yeah, I think Joe Nopu might be a part of the future of the offensive line. I can – say with pretty much certainty that Bobby Evans will not be a part of the future of this offensive line, unfortunately. No, no, I'd be entirely surprised. And yeah, it's very clear. I I was, I was seriously even pulling for Alaric Jackson to, (laughs) uh, to go in there. Uh, For those of you who don't remember who he is, he's actually, the undrafted free agent that the Rams picked up and, uh, uh, you know, did okay during the preseason, but Jesus, Bobby Evans just looked awful. And, and he was that bad where I wanted them to put in an unproven undrafted free agent over him. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far yet, but, uh, yeah, it was not great. And they were sacked four times. And listen, honestly, I don't remember which sack it was, but correct me if I'm wrong. There was a sack where, Stafford had all day and took a sack and really shouldn't have. I think the other three, two of them were on Evans and one of them was on Whitworth. Dunlop on the Seahawks played a phenomenal game. Uh, Their defense brought it. I mean, if you hold this Rams team to 20 points, really, you should be able to beat them. Uh, That's what you should be game planning for. Uh, So, I mean, their defense brought it, but (laughs) they didn't do enough offensively. They had a... 214 total yards for the Seahawks in this game of 53 plays. Rams had 332 on 62 yards. So, yeah, they had to do more, and credit to our defense for shutting them down. You know, without Jordan Fuller, a big cog on that defense, they, they got it done. 209 net passing yards for the Rams in this game, 134 for the Seahawks. Jesus. Uh, 80 yards in the ground for the Seahawks, 123 for the Rams. Seahawks sacked three times in this game. Rams sacked four times turnovers each team threw an interception um oh i i was trying to remember why i couldn't remember that who had the interception of the rams it was taylor taylor rap on the last seattle play of the game but a, a big interception nonetheless stafford had uh had that big pick early in the game i mean i think it's, to me it's always more interesting to talk about the player stats we can talk about stafford 
21 to 29 in this game, 243 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, sacked four times. Good passer rating, 106. The interception was horrible. Did his arm get hit on that, or did he just completely whiff on that throw? I I I think he just did a, like a chuck and pray if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He it didn't look like he had like a a player he was targeting and you know just kind of threw it up and well Taylor Rapp ended up with the with the football. Yeah, it was gross. Oh no, that was that was the uh Russell Wilson play you're talking about. Oh, okay. What were you, oh, are you talking about Stafford? Yeah, and his interception. Oh, that I don't remember. I don't. I don't think he was it. If I'm going to be honest, I I think that he just threw a terrible pass. Yeah, I think this will happen too. Uh, I I had a work thing to deal with during this game, so I watched the whole game, but I didn't watch it with my typical precision eye. I guess so. If I say any bullshit on here, please call me out on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> just let me know if I'm just saying things that are straight up not true. But uh. Stafford bounced back from that play. You know, this was far from his best game of the year, but also far from his worst. Uh, he got it done. He certainly did enough to win this game. I, for how much time we spent talking about Stafford on this podcast, I feel like there's not much to say here. It was a fine performance from him. Got to clean up the turnovers, of course, but you should be able to win games with just one turnover if, if your offense is playing well enough. I don't know. Can you do me a favor and hold that thought on Matthew Stafford? Because as much as I say things that are not true on this podcast sometimes, one thing I can tell you guys that is true is that if you want to score tickets to see the Rams or whatever other teams you like, TickPick is the best website to get your tickets on. T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. It is the original no-fee ticket-buying website. And that means no fees. You get rid of those service fees. They're going to get you the best deals. And they guarantee that they're going to get you the best deal. And if you don't believe me or you don't believe TickPick, if you could actually find a better price for the same seats from another ticket website, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference. Essentially, they'll be paying you to buy tickets on their website because they're that confident that they are going to give you the best possible deal on tickets. And with the Rams winning three straight games, they're back. They might get a home game of SoFi. If they do, or if you just want to see them wrap up the season, use TickPick to get the best deal on any tickets you can get. And to make it even better, if you head over to TickPick.com slash RTR and use our promo code RTR, you're going to save $10 on your first pair of tickets using TickPick. So there's no better. I mean, go out. If you want to go to these games, get your tickets at TickPick. And, yeah, you're going to get the best deal possible. And now, Johnny, you can tell me about Matthew Stafford, please. Yeah, I I, I think that with the – in regards to Stafford, he he did what he could given the circumstances, wasn't perfect. He had his flaws as well. Uh, it, it's not all on the offensive line in terms of, you know, the semi-disappointing gameplay. But, um, you know – I feel like he did he did a solid enough job. There was, you know, a couple mistakes he needs to correct, like getting rid of the football. That's, you know, as as very flawed as the offensive line was, uh, Matthew Stafford does need to know, okay, I need to throw it out of bounds. Live another down and, 
that that just wasn't getting done. So um, I I'm I'm trying not to be too critical because again, these are obviously special circumstances that under normal conditions you won't have Bobby Evans out there, you won't have Coleman Shelton out there, you yeah. know. And so, I mean, I mean, honestly, the 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 worst sack he took in this game was it was. How did I know it? So it was on the third drive they had in the first half. Uh, he he had time. It was certainly an avoidable sack, um, and it dropped them out of field goal range, and it, it cost them three points. Uh, because as we know, Matt Gay will never miss another field goal for the rest of his life. So so to I'm me, okay like, with that, dude, he's on fire. Uh, that 55 yarder was a beauty tonight from gay. That, that was kind of one thing I was, uh, I was watching the game with my dad and, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of like, you know, staring at the screen so intently, like, uh, are you sure you want to send Matt Gay out there on a 55 yarder? I mean, not to say that Matt Gay isn't talented because obviously, you know, he's had a hell of a year, um, but he's not known for having such a huge leg um doesn't hit the the deep field goals like that he's not greg the leg um but damn he made a 55 yarder and made it pretty decisively maybe not like greg the leg status back in his prime but you know what um he did a damn good job i mean maybe it's recency bias I think he's as good, if not better, than Zerline was at his peak. Um, because with Zerline, and this is still the case with Zerline, there was no field goal too short for him, but he would shank a lot of easy kicks out of nowhere. Uh, and he still does it. He, he's the exact same player in Dallas. But uh, Gay doesn't miss as much. And, yeah, they're not trotting him out there for 60-yard field goals, which was the why you dealt with the the negatives of Zerline because he could just come out there and drain a 61 yarder like it's nothing but I think Gay's got a boot man they they don't let him rip like that all the time but I think at 55 yards I want to trot him out out there every time hey I mean he made a believer out of me this time it's better Uh, than letting Hecker punt the ball 23 yards yeah that's uh that's another thing Oh man, how the mighty have fallen! Uh, uh, um, Russell Wilson on the other side, seventeen to thirty-one, one hundred fifty-six yards, one interception, no touchdowns, sacked three times. Man, I don't know about you. This feels like the last time we play him as a member of the Seahawks. I, I, I don't see why they wouldn't trade him. I, uh, I don't think he wants to be there anymore. The team is going nowhere. I mean, I don't th- like they're gonna they're they might get rid of Carroll too. It just, it seems like it's it, man. It it is truly. If he's gone, it's obviously the end of an era for the Seahawks. But I we I feel I it was a long time ago where we were playing them without him. I mean, think about how long ago that was. That was like the clipboard Jesus game. That was like really the last meaningful game we played against the Seahawks before Russell Wilson came on. Yeah, I it, it's um interesting because 
whenever you you think of Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, one thing that automatically comes to mind is their offensive line. And while I will say that in previous years, their offensive line was a bit underrated and didn't get the credit it deserved, they still weren't like elite offensive lines. And it's kind of one of those positions that the Seattle Seahawks just failed to or neglected the position each year. And it's almost it's almost the same as how the Rams fail to address inside linebacker every year. It's it's kind of the same principle. You know, it just didn't seem like a priority for the Seattle Seahawks. And I can't blame Russell Wilson for not, you know, for for being upset being there because who wants to get their ass kicked week in and week out and make shit happen, you know, based on his legs running. And, and, and yes, some of it is self-inflicted because he is a mobile quarterback, but you know, you would think that after a while playing in the division that consists of Aaron Donald and Chandler Jones and Bosa, you would think that you would, protect your franchise quarterback better but they really don't so i i don't blame russell wilson for wanting out because they they have pretty much every position uh skill position that he needs to succeed just not the most important one which is protection yeah and it's been the story of almost his entire career though uh and this they snapped a streak of nine straight winning seasons today. Uh, as you can imagine, Russell Wilson was drafted 10 years ago. So this is their first season since he's been drafted that they didn't have a winning record. I mean, it's that's a long time of success. And, you know, like you said, with the outside line for all the success Seattle's had, it feels like they should have had more. You know, it was really those first three, four years where, they they were winning and they're going to the Super Bowl and that's that's part of the struggle in the NFL is you know you when you have a rookie quarterback that's good you you put all the chips in the table because you're not paying him a lot of money in the case with Wilson they were basically paying him nothing because he was a third round pick and to Seattle's credit they built a hell of a team in those early years they won a Super Bowl they lost another um, but they got there twice I think it was just twice. And once he got the extension, man, they did a horrible job of, of putting the right pieces around him. And a lot left on the table there. We'll see if he's back next year. It's certainly possible. But to me, it just seems like it's time for everybody to move on after the last couple of years of just not much success. Even though they were winning and getting in the playoffs, they never really did any. They never made any noise. I'll tell you one thing. I hope it happens because it'll be nice not to see uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson twice a year. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine he could go to the Niners, and that's the only even remotely possible landing spot in the division for him. So, might stay in the conference. Definitely not staying in the division if he gets moved. On the ground, uh, could you imagine if the Forty ers invested in Russell Wilson after investing in Trey Lance? I mean, let. Tell me quick, yes or no? If the 49ers called, or if the Seahawks called the 49ers and said, and I believe, is 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 this a contract year for Russell Wilson, or is he locked up for a bit? I think 
he has like a year or two left on his contract. If they called the 49ers and said, we will give you Russell Wilson for Trey Lance, do you say yes? Ooh, I don't I, know if I'm the Seahawks. I want to make that trade. <laughs> I mean, I, but if if it's if it's the Seahawks, I mean, if it's the 49ers, um, you know, that has to accept the offer, then hell yeah, I make that trade happen. I think you have to, yeah. I mean, you you look at the stuff you invested in Trey Lance, you could basically be saying, all right, we're investing that Russell Wilson. I I mean, that's that's never going to happen. I, I would be floored if that happened, but I think makes sense for both sides. <laughs> Just saying. I I don't know if I'd want Trey Lance to be honest. I mean, well, it, it's too early. It's it's way too early. He's it... he's a project, and he looked like a project. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean. I... Maybe he will develop into a player at some point, but it, I mean, the way I'm looking at it is if you're not replacing Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I understand he's a rookie and all, but yeah. He's a it, small school. You know, it's, uh, he was a project when they drafted him. I, I, I feel like, <laughs> feel free to hold me accountable, listeners. I feel like if you go and listen to our preseason pods, I said I don't think Trey Lance plays this year because the 49ers are going to be pretty good and Jimmy G is good enough. I, I believe you made that statement. I, I think I could vouch for you there. Maybe I didn't. I feel like I did. I don't know. Uh, let's go Let's go back to talking about the Rams. Uh in the, in the backfield for the Rams, Sony Michelle, 18 carries for 92 yards. Daryl Henderson, 6 carries for 23 yards. I mean, I might be wrong, and, and just because we're talking about these guys through the air, Sony had 2 catches for 23 yards on 2 targets. Daryl Henderson had 2 for 4 on 2 targets. I feel like the playing time splits, and we'll notice when the snap cards are, counts are out, which they might be by the time you're listening to this, it was definitely Michelle's favor. I feel like it wasn't as drastically in Michelle's favor as the yardage is and the kit and the touches are. You know, I feel like it was probably what, like maybe a 60 40 snap split in favor of Michelle, if that. Henderson was out there quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's so weird to me because I still feel like they should give. Uh, Henderson a, a little more touches, but I mean, I, I can you really argue though? Because Sonny Michelle was getting the job done, you know, um, wasn't like a spectacular performance, but oh, I, I thought he played well. Um, I guess, I guess like you take away the two big plays, it's not that impressive, but those two and big that's plays what were really kind of looking at there is is because the two big plays is what kind of got them, like, the spectacular stats. They were impressive um, plays, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's a little bit more talent to be had by giving um, Daryl Henderson more of an opportunity. 
but you know it's hard it's hard to argue when when you have Sonny Michelle doing his thing you know yeah it, it's like today clearly Sonny Michelle's their guy In, a month from now I wouldn't be shocked if Henderson's their guy I think this is going to change week to week I think this is going to be a more of a hot hand approach I mean luckily the fantasy season's wrapping up but if you had to play one of these guys and you own them both I think Henderson or sorry I think Michelle's the guy you play um, but I I agree. I, I'd like to see Henderson get a little more of those touches. I mean, and it's funny too because <laughs> Michelle was the guy who was getting the carries, but I think it was um, maybe the play before Cooper one of Cooper Cup's touchdowns. They had a play action to Henderson, and like four players tackled Henderson. Like they bit so hard on that play action. Uh, so maybe the Seahawks agreed with us and thought they should give Henderson the ball more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Maybe. Uh, I. It could also be just how the offense is designed, really, because when you think about it, in a way, um, Sonny Michelle and Cam Akers have a similar running style. And that's kind of what the Rams were preparing for was to have um was to have Cam Akers out there and, you know, kind of bulldozing a little bit. Um, I think Cam Akers is obviously the better running back, but um regardless, you know, if, if that's the way it's set up. It could be why Sean McVay is moving more in favor towards Sonny Michelle instead of Daryl Henderson. Um, but it could also be just as you said, you know, maybe he goes the hot hand, maybe um, against defenses that struggle against the more shiftier backs like Daryl Henderson. Um, they'll go that route. But um, either way, it's I think it's great to have. It's a good problem to have, you know, better than, you know, uh, you know, that one week where we were looking at Jake Funk being our starting potential starting <laughs> running back. Lord, God help us all. Yeah, they, they both have looked good at different times this year. Um, I'm comfortable with both of them heading into the playoffs. And hopefully you mix it up, you play both guys. We'll, we'll see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. But today it looks like Michelle is the guy. And that, that is a great point with Akers, too. Uh, I think Akers is a little more versatile than Michelle, but, you know, you're right. Sure. They, they didn't envision Henderson being the lead back going into the season. So, you know, ideally, maybe if Michelle can be the lead back, 
you can use Henderson more in the role that you had planned for him when Akers was around. On on the Seattle side, eight carries for 41 yards for DJ Dallas. I feel like he didn't play that well except for that one drive where he was just destroying us, it felt like, on every play. He was getting a big chunk of yards. Uh, his touchdown was nice. Penny had 11 carries for 39 yards. Total, 19 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Fine game by the Rams run defense. You know, no big complaints for me there. No, and, and truthfully, even that that um, that touchdown drive, I feel like part of the reason why that happened was because the defense was just gassed. Um, keep in mind that a lot of these defenders weren't getting rotated in and out like they had been all season long because of the lack of players and – or at least the lack of quality players, I should say. And on top of that, um, the offense at that point was just, you know, basically surrendering the ball on, on three and outs. So I, I think at that point, the the defense was just gassed and they allowed a, a touchdown that they normally wouldn't have. But um, I guess that's part of the game there. All right. Don't be mad at me, Johnny. I'm going to put you on blast here. That that was the first drive of the second half. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, on the... Really? Yeah, that doesn't feel right to me either. I agree with everything you said. But uh, the whole second half, I mean, for both teams was just... Like, you look at the... You look at the play-by-play from the second half. Both teams scored on their first possession. Uh, and then the Rams had the one touchdown drive where they went eight plays for 88. And other than that, it was just disgusting. Punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt, downs, field goal where the Rams got the ball for free, interception, end the game. Wow. I stand corrected. <laughs> Hey, I mean, I say stupid shit on this podcast. That's not true all the time. It's what the people come here for, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> not totally. Um, rec- receiving, I mean, I think we could spend more time than we usually do just praising Cooper Cup on this podcast. Nine catches for 136 yards and two touchdowns on 13 targets. Uh, he was the not the entire offense in this game, but the mo- majority of the offense. Stafford threw it was the entire offense. Yeah, yeah. Michelle, Michelle was like ten percent of the offense. He was like eighty five percent, and the rest of it was five percent. Uh, just, just ridiculous, man. I mean, he's, I think, three hundred forty yards away from the single season receiving record. He's got three more games to do it. Granted, he has one more game than Calvin Johnson had when he set the record, but the way they're playing, it seems like he's going to break the record, and he has way more touchdowns than Calvin Johnson that year. I mean, I think for Offensive Player of the Year, it feels like a two-man race between him and Jonathan Taylor, and I feel like if he breaks the record, they're going to give it to him with that touchdown total. How could you not? It's just... 
I, I kind of was like thinking about this today. You know, somebody texted me and they were like, it is outrageous that we're about to mention Cooper Cup with Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it, it's so late in the season. You kind of forget because he's been just so good every week this year. I mean, this guy was what? Like a, around a top 20 receiver in the NFL coming into the year. You know, you'd probably put him in that. 15 to 20 range if you're not a biased Rams fan he's in year five he's 28 years old and just has has hasn't made a Pro Bowl has never sniffed a Pro Bowl until uh this year he is confirmed going to the Pro Bowl obviously he would have but just to make in in year five to just kind of like randomly go from being like a really good and reliable receiver to arguably the best receiver in the entire league and putting up record numbers. He passed Isaac Bruce for the single season reception record for the Rams this week. Just like credit to him because clearly Jared Goff was holding him back a little, but you don't get to this good just because your quarterback changed for the better. He must've put in a lot of work this off season. I don't know what he did, but uh, clearly it's working, man. I mean, he's just unbelievable. Uh, put the team on his back in this game. He's done it a lot this year. And credit to him, he's getting the praise he deserves. He's going to get the accolades he deserves. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't make, even if he doesn't win Offensive Player of the Year, he's going to be a first-team All-Pro. Uh, just, he deserves the praise, man. This is an unbelievable, uh, you know, turning of the corner for him, going from a, a really nice player to a bona fide elite wide receiver who if he has four more years like this might end up in the hall of fame so so steve are you familiar with the the movie space jam got it of course i am (laughs) so you you know the scene where um the aliens give the uh like kind of like i guess a cursed basketball to the legends and it it zaps away like all their power or all their uh you know skills i i do i feel like cooper cup did that with the football <laughs> and he like handed it to robert woods and to maybe even deshaun jackson and somehow cooper cup ended up becoming this super elite wide receiver and I don't know if it was a magical football or if this guy just trained like hell in the offseason. It's probably the latter. But um, holy shit, this guy is <laughs> – he's basically preparing to break – I mean, he's already broken so many records. And it's a very real possibility that he can – that he can beat the the most receiving yards in a single season, a record I didn't think would be broken anytime soon, even with the extra game attached to it. Yeah, let alone by Cooper Cup. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I I have to ask, because I don't remember, but when Calvin Johnson broke that record, was Matthew Stafford passing him the ball at the yeah. time? Yeah, he definitely was. 
So that, that is a lot, that is pretty it? crazy too. <laughs> it, it, but uh, with Stafford or with, with Johnson, he only had five touchdowns this, that year, and Cooper Cup I think has fourteen right now. So it's it's you know, even though Will Johnson has a record, I mean the real best season ever was I think one year Jerry Rice had eighteen hundred something yards and eighteen touchdowns. Don't quote me on those stats. It's close to that. I saw it when I looked up Calvin Johnson's record today. But uh, he might beat that, too. Like, it, it, it's all in reach. He, the the touchdown record that Randy Moss set is not in reach. But, like, he's going to get up there in that category, too, probably. And it's funny because that's, that's not exactly the type of receiver. I mean, you, you look at guys like Calvin Johnson, guys like Jerry Rice. Well, maybe Jerry Rice. Uh, but, but uh, you know, Randy Moss, these are, you know, big, you know, big red zone targets. Uh, Jerry Rice is a special case. I mean, he's the best receiver of all time. He, he, he gets a pass. But Cooper Cup doesn't really fall into that physique as, you know, Megatron and, and uh, Randy Moss. It, it's just, it's weird seeing him there. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, uh, like though, like he to set this record, like he's not the kind of guy that goes like if you need somebody to score, get you a touchdown, you lob the ball deep to them. Like Calvin Johnson could go get it, Randy Moss could go get it, Jerry Rice could go get it too. But as you said, Jerry Rice was good at literally every single facet of the game. Not that those guys weren't, but like he was like arguably the best at basically everything. Uh, you know, he's like, if you're going to compare him to an all time great receiver of recent years, like, I feel like he's like, he's kind of like Antonio Brown, where he's just, he's always fucking open. Like, he's just always open and he just plods and gets shitload of yards. And I mean, uh, it just, I, I it's, it's so just like, it, it's just crazy. In year five, you know, we all liked him a lot. If you told me, hey, Cooper Cup with a new quarterback, he's going to break out and make a pro ball this year. You know, I'd believe you. I think it's possible. If you told me he would be the best receiver in the NFL, uh, I would have laughed in your face. I mean, it's an unbelievable leap at this stage in your career. You know, year five, it's not like he's been in the league for that long. But, um, like, he, he wasn't drafted as, like, a raw prospect. He was drafted as, like, close to a finished product you know I he got better in his first four years but the gap between last year and this year is bigger than the gap between year one and year four for how he's been performing oh no question no question and uh he's Antonio Brown without the drama (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but funny thing is if I were to compare him at the start of the season to like a legend or a really good player I probably would have said, you know, someone like Steve Largent, you know, somebody that, you know, wasn't particularly, he didn't excel at anyone in, or at any area in particular. He was just a well-rounded player, you know, good possession receiver. That to me was Cooper Cup at the start of the season and how we're kind of putting him in the same area in terms of statistics wise anyway as Megatron I I don't know how we got here man 
Yeah, man. I mean, even in the same era as peak Antonio Brown, I mean, he's a really fucking good player. Uh, he still is a pretty good player, although he's a lunatic. But uh, <laughs> still pretty Shout good player. Fans. Yeah, I mean, just take he's taking it up a notch, uh, even by his standards this year. Maybe not taking it up a notch, but if uh, if Bruce Arians really care like had any principles, he would not be coming back. But they need him, so. They don't give a fuck anymore. Uh, looking at the rest of the receiving core, <laughs> Pence Garonic had four catches for 40 yards and on five targets. Johnny, I got a tweet from uh, one of our listeners, Austin, during the game, who said he th- he thought I was going to have to buy a Pence Garonic jersey tonight after our convo last week. And I don't think he had a catch after <laughs> he sent that tweet to me. But they were targeting him early in the game, and then he dropped a catch and, you know, that might, I think Stafford was like, all right, what am I doing? Like, why am I targeting this guy? Made some okay plays, though. You know, it, with Ben Skoranek, I and keep in mind that I'm also considering the fact that this guy was the seventh-round draft pick. You know, nobody really expected much from Ben Skoranek. Um. And now he's kind of forced into a situation where you, you kind of need him on the field. But what absolutely frustrates me about Ben Skoranek is this guy doesn't have any sort of balance to him. Like, I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this, but it feels like every time I see this guy running a route, he's tripping somehow. Or if he's getting thrown the ball to if he secures that football he somehow stumbles along the way it's like dude are are your cleats too big like what the hell's going on here (laughs) he's like laboring down the field and and again i he he can certainly play better football than me so let's get that clear no and um, all things considered i mean isn't very good, but like you said, it was a seventh round pick. You know, he's he's been in in that aspect based on expectation, he's been fine. You know, if he's on the team next year as the fifth receiver, I don't fucking care. That's fine. Uh but you know, without Higby today, you did kinda have to play him and target him and he caught some passes, but even like he had four catches. I mean, two of them were not impressive, and I don't remember the other two. Yeah, I you know the drop pass really pissed me off, but I'm like, what what should I've expected? <laughs> yeah, I, we listen. I know it sounds like we're picking on him. We went that hard at two two Atwell. We That's can't true. not we can't not go hard on this guy. Like when he becomes hey, back, I mean, since we brought up two two Atwell, at least he got a catch. <laughs> he, he caught a lot of passes Atwell, in the preseason. <laughs> Skoranek in his defense too he didn't play in the preseason right he was injured the whole time so for the most part yeah yeah so that that didn't help him um quiet quiet days for Van Jefferson and Odell Van Jefferson had two catches for 23 yards on two targets he also had a nice carry for 10 yards Odell had one catch for seven yards on three targets he, was he out there the whole game 
Like, did I just not notice him? Like, was he just that much of a ghost? I I, I want to say he was out there, but I didn't. I don't recall seeing him, so maybe he wasn't. I don't know if he got hurt because it's entirely possible. I mean, he's been kind of banged up all year, so it would not surprise me if he just got taken out. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the Cooper Cup show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then some. I, on the Seattle side, our boy Gerald Everett had four catches for 60 yards. DK Metcalf, six catches for 52 yards. Nobody else had over 25. Um, Freddie Swain had one catch for 25 yards. That was on David Long. Uh, I know... David Long got put on DK one play and got beat. But, I mean, all things considered, with Tyler Lockett out of the game, six catches for 52 yards for Metcalf. I mean, even if they were fully healthy, that's fucking fine. You're okay with that. And we didn't have Jordan Fuller. Good game by the secondary. Uh, a really good game by by the defensive backs in this game. Yeah, all things considered, we certainly missed Jalen Ramsey the previous week. So, Having him back, especially to go up against DK Metcalf on on occasion, that was certainly helpful. I'm I'm not sure if the Rams win the game if uh, if Jalen Ramsey isn't in this football game. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, we got lucky last week. Dwayne Dwayne Eskridge in this game, uh, the guy who the Rams wanted to take at 57, he had zero catches on four targets. Okay, am I insane or like did he look good like despite not catching a single target? Like I feel like there were multiple targets where he almost caught and I was like, "Damn, like that was not a bad attempt." I I suppose it depends on your comparison scale because if you're comparing him to say Tutu Atwell, then yes, he looked like a freaking MVP. If if you're comparing him to I don't know, just about any other receiver. I mean, he didn't make a catch. Yeah, he didn't make a catch. <laughs> After all the shit we just gave Ben Skoranek, I'm like, did Dwayne Eskridge have a good game? <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair to Eskridge, if we're gonna be if we're gonna be fair at all, um, Dante Dayone made hell of a play. I, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken, on him. The I know second... there was at least one. The second one, Eskridge came really close to making, like, a great catch, and Dayon popped it out at the last second. So it was a good play by both of them. Um, yeah. Day- Dayon played pretty solid. Better than Long. I hope they make him the main corner. But uh, without Fuller, you definitely need needed both those guys out there. No question. And even though Fuller isn't having the, you know, year that he did last year, um. He's still, you want him out there. No question. For sure. Um, defensively for the Rams, too. I know we're talking about those guys. Ernest Jones had 11 tackles in this game. Five solo tackles led the way at a pass defense. Although, really got away with murder on that missed pass interference call late in the game, man. Yeah, after seeing that, I'm like, fuck, man. We, were, we just got, we just were starting to get rid of uh, people talking about the pass interference by Nikel Roby Coleman. And then this comes up and I'm like, I'm not going to hear the end of this. 
in fact, I, I got multiple texts from this and I'm like, yep, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was clear as day. You know, in real time, it didn't look as clear, but in real time, it was like, that was that not pass interference? And you watch the replay, you were like, nope, that was definitely pass interference. Uh, but beyond that, decent game for our boy. Uh, big three had a sack in this game each. Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. Good game for Von Miller. He was second in the team, tackles and six. Yeah, I was happy that he was able to come in. There was a very real possibility he couldn't come in today. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Von Miller for making it out here. Yeah, pass rush was solid all around. Uh, Leonard Floyd had a good playing coverage. Uh, Greg Gaines had another solid game. I mean, just a good defensive day. You know, they were not entirely perfect. There were some players that missed plays, but when you hold the opposing team to 10 points, you don't really care. Uh, You hold Russell Wilson to 10 points, you should – win the game. I mean, if you can't beat the Seahawks when they score 10 points, you have serious issues with your team. Oh, no question. Um, and we talked about Matt Gay. I mean, that's everything for this game, right? Yeah, and if you're wondering why we're like kind of eh on on the game is because it was a very eh kind of game, you know? It it, it wasn't as exciting um, but a very, still a very solid win again, considering the circumstances. Yeah, it was a boring game, but boring wins are fine. Boring losses are. Yeah, it's a win. Yeah, boring losses are terrible. I'm sure Seattle fans did not have a good time watching this. No, and I'm sure they were less thrilled about that no call. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, listen, you scored ten fucking points. You don't deserve to win the game. I mean, come on. Tell that to a Seahawks fan. Let me know how it goes for you. <laughs> he scored 10 points, man. And that, it, it wasn't like the the Saints game where if they called it, allegedly, it would have ended the game. Uh, but, you know, they would have had to score a touchdown after that call. And they would have been like, what, the 30-yard line? I mean, I don't know. Not the uh, You can't blame that play to lose the game. And I think Seahawks fans probably hate their team so much uh, they don't care. With the win, Rams move to 10-4. and four. They're tied for first in the division. Uh, the Cardinals, our boy Jared Goff, came through this week for us, Johnny. Delivered a crucial loss to the Arizona Cardinals. There's still nothing we can do. Like, if we went out, if the Cardinals went out, they still win the division. But if they lose another game and we went out, it's ours. And um, it's going to take a lot of work for the Rams to get the bye because Green Bay's got the got the record right now. They beat us. So if it's a one-on-one tie, they get the bye. I don't know uh, what like the, the three-team tiebreakers would really look like. I'd imagine not in our favor. But – you can get ahead of Arizona. You got the tiebreaker with Tampa Bay. You could get a nice seed. You know, there's there's a good chance you can get into the three seed if you're able to win the division, maybe two. Even if you don't get a bye, the team that's going to be the seventh seed is going to be horrible. Um, so we're in reach. The, the Cardinals have – they close the season with the Colts this week. 
at Dallas the week after and then home against Seattle to end the season. They've lost their last two games. Uh, Certainly possible that they drop a game. And if we can just take care of business, we got Minnesota, Baltimore, and San Francisco. It's not easy. Not easy at all. Uh, But the, the Ravens haven't looked as good. Lamar might not even be out there. He probably will be back by that game. But although Tyler Huntley looked fucking unbelievable this week. You know, got in my head, Johnny, I say they don't win the division because they're not going to beat the 49ers because I'm scarred. But they're in good shape now. Shout out to Jared Goff. You know, I, I when the Lions won the Cardinals, I haven't seen so many Jared Goff supporters in my life. And I'm like, now, now you guys support Jared Goff? He played good, arguably his best game uh, since 2018. I would agree with that. I, I don't, I don't think you you can really show me a game otherwise. Yeah, they. I, I mean, it's still such a Jared Goff game. Twenty one of twenty six for two hundred sixteen yards, <laughs> but uh, three touchdowns. They got the win, man. They dominated. One of the best teams in the conference. The, the the Lions are one of the best horrible teams in NFL history. <laughs> I I had to do a double take when I uh when I saw the score. Um because I I, I think I saw it when it was like seventeen to nothing. And I'm like, what the hell? And I thought, oh, they that must be the Cardinals. I looked at it wrong. Uh, and no, no, that was the Jared Goff Lions. Yep. Came out swinging this week. So we'll see, man. If if, if we went out and Arizona drops one, we're going to win the division. We're going to get a playoff game at SoFi, and it's going to be great. It'd be really exciting. Uh, but we still need we, we still need help. You know, if you, if you beat the 49ers – You'd have that path, but you didn't. (laughs) Any other final thoughts here before we wrap? Uh, Just go Rams. Go Rams. All right, we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Supervero, at johnny 5 6 at TalkRams. Hopefully we'll be back after another Rams win next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we gonna see him soon. You feel me?